Uh, would you put up your Bibles again and find uh, 2 Thessalonians? Uh, now, sometimes life can feel a bit uh, insecure, can it? I mean, coronavirus has definitely had that effect, but, but in the past, it's, it's been job security, it's been terrorism, it's been Brexit. You know, there's always been something new on the horizon uh, for us to, to feel insecure about, you know, nationally. Um, that's been true, but, but for each of us, you know, perhaps there are times uh, of insecurity, you know, struggles at school, family tension, Exams, our own identity. As some of you know, these, these last few weeks I've had a, a pretty serious health diagnosis in between scans and waiting on results. It's the, it's the unknown, isn't it, that can, that can make it feel so difficult. We, we worry. Our minds race on. We get lo- lost in the ifs, the, the could-bes. And it, it all feels very insecure. But it, but it can also be in spiritual things we can feel insecure. Do you remember last week, if you were here last week, we, we saw in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 the, the chaos and the, in a sense the earth shaking that's going to happen in the future. That's what Paul was speaking about. That there will be a man, this man of lawlessness, we don't know who, but a, but a great falling away from within the church, the, deceival, uh, the, the devil deceiving many, many condemned. You know, we, we don't know when, we don't know how. There's a, there's a possible uncertainty about it all, a worry. It seems as if anything, everything's up for grabs. Is there a sure footing at all? Perhaps you, you feel that for yourself, your, your faith. Your faith itself can just feel shaky at times. You worry, am I really saved? Or, or perhaps hearing about people falling away, you just... Look at the church and you just start counting down the days to to the day of disaster. It's all going to go wrong today or maybe it'll be tomorrow or maybe it's the next day. It seems so insecure, so fragile. Like everything, even faith and the church are hanging in the balance. But rather than uncertainty, Paul in this section is bringing the opposite. If you just look back at 2 verse 1. 2 verse 1 that started off this section. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. Not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. Do you notice Paul here, this whole section is about Paul bringing security and stability where there could not be. And here in verses 13 to 17 that we're going to be looking at at the end of this section, God, he brings balm to our souls. He, he doesn't leave us to fragile foundations. You know, in the, in the chaos of, of lawlessness, of human fragility, as believers, we have something far more wonderful. It's a, it's a real foundation to build upon. And, and this foundation is like one of those you'd get for, for a skyscraper. You know, that if they're not going to topple over, uh, they need phenomenally secure foundations. I read recently of a skyscraper in San Francisco. That because the bedrock was actually too deep, they, they made the foundations out of concrete. And they poured, it took 18 hours for them to pour enough concrete in. That was 1,300 um, mixing trucks. You know, that, that's, that's a picture of the kind of foundation God gives us. 
And not only is it deep, not only is it deep, but it's wide. It spans every moment of life as we're going to see. It goes back into the past, into the present, into our future. There is no time that God's foundation doesn't exist in our lives. So, so what is this foundation? Well, to put it simply, it's this. God's hands are secure. God's hands are secure. What a wonderful thing to know for us tonight, isn't it? My Christian brothers and sisters, you, you have been held securely way back in the past. Have a look at verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. God's hands have been secure way back. Back in the past, he chose you. And if he chose us to be saved, that choice must have happened before we were saved. That's how choice works, isn't it? I choose to eat cake and then I eat it. The choice must come first. So right back in the past, God chose you. It's it's all to do with him. It's his decision. It's his choice. And he doesn't change. He's the unchanging God. As scripture says elsewhere, he doesn't repent or regret like we do. He's not going to change his mind. And because it's way back in the past, it precedes everything you've done or will do. And so, so it's not influenced by what you've done or what you will do. It's, it's like an unconditional offer at university. Your place in God's kingdom doesn't depend on certain grades or certain qualifications. He doesn't look at you, in a sense, in the future and think, yes, yeah, she's going to be good, so I'll choose her now. No, he, he looked at you and thought, there is no way you're going to deserve this. I'll choose you. I'll choose you. God's hands are secure from the past. But his hands are also secure in the present too. End of verse 13. God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. You know, right now, he hasn't left us to it. No, he's, he's in those he's chosen, working in them by his eternal Spirit. He's setting us apart, he's consecrating us, he's sanctifying us. It's the Spirit who softens our hearts. Uh, to receive his call. You know, he's not promising everything's going to be easy or pain-free, but he's promising to be working towards his good and perfect purposes. We see this also in verse 17, this present aspect. Paul prays to God for what? That he would establish um, them in every good work and word. Again, who's at work in us? God is. God is right now in the present with us, working in us. And if he's in us and at work in us, he's not going to drop us. It's not as if he held us in the past and then kind of spills us in the present. If he had us then, he's got us now. God's hands are secure. And they are secure into eternity. Far into the future, verse 14. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of Of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's for the future glory. It's for that moment when Christ returns. And and, and somehow we're included in his glorious return. We we see it again in verse 16. This future uh, security. Do you notice God has given us what eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Eternal comfort 
and good hope. God will bring us home. It's like a dad bringing his his small child through a a storm, stinging wind and rain back home, back to a warm fire, a a mug of smooth hot chocolate and a a cosy dressing gown. He will bring us home to eternal comfort, to a good hope, to joy and peace and security in the new creation. He's not flaky. He He isn't forgetful or lazy. He doesn't drop out or fall asleep on the job. His hands are secure from way back in the past to the eternal future. You know, like like carrying a fragile piece of glass from its box to the mantelpiece, secured and cared for. Or perhaps like like helping a child ride a bike. The moment our son Simeon is is learning to ride, the moment um, he's he's starting to get it, he, he can't quite start himself. His steering's a little bit dodgy, and he, he can't use the brakes yet. Um, so, so down in Duffy Park, I, I hold the bike as he gets on. I, I keep it steady as he puts his feet on the pedals. And then as he pedals along, I run beside him, making sure he doesn't crash too badly. And, and then I run ahead of him to just kind of take the, the speed and help him stop. You know, from start to finish, I'm there with him all the way. God's hands are secure. And these are loving hands. These are loving hands. These are hands that that love us so much that rather rather than just being metaphorical hands, these hands took on flesh. They became physical hands with bones and nerves. Hands that that became pierced by nails so that we could receive this security. Verse 13. Little line. Brothers... Beloved by the Lord. Beloved by Christ himself. And then verse 16. God our Father who loved us. Loved by the Father. Loved by the Son. Totally undeserving. Yet lavished in his love. God doesn't begrudge what he's done for us. He loves us so much he holds us secure. It's the work of the, the, the Trinity. Do you notice that? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, trying God, working to hold us securely. Now, back in the 17th century, um, some Christians wrote an amazing document. Some of you may have heard of it called the Canons of Dort. Now, and one of the articles talks about this, this preserving work of God. His, his keeping us all the way. Let me just read you um, a bit of it. Don't worry, it's not in 17th century language. Um, so it's not, so it says this, it's not by their own merits or strengths, but by God's undeserved mercy that Christians neither forfeit faith or grace totally nor remain in their downfalls to the end and are lost. God's plan cannot be changed. God's promise cannot fail. The calling according to God's purpose cannot be revoked. The merit of Christ as well as his interceding and preserving cannot be nullified. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit can neither be invalidated nor wiped out. Isn't that amazing? None of it. None of it's going to fail. Paul doesn't turn our eyes to our own strength or our own faith. He doesn't measure our faith, our hope and love. No, he turns our attention to the object of, his, of our faith, God himself. The one who we trust, the one who makes promises that are secure. God's hands are secure. And it's this truth that as it sinks in, drives out fear, drives out worry. It gives certainty, certainty to our faith. 
It settles our shaken hearts. Because things go wrong in our worlds and in our lives. Remember that the man of lawlessness, people rebelling from the truth, loving lies and sin. And we see that, don't we? We see false teaching. We see people giving false hope and false reward. It can feel that the, the walls are starting to crack. But remember, no, God's hands are secure. Or, or perhaps for you, life feels, life seems filled with ongoing sin and temptation. I don't know, perhaps it's, it's sexual sin is ever present, or you, you just can't keep your mouth in check, or you're, you ruin your life with greed or, or envy. And it's so frustrating knowing your weakness and your failure before God. But remember, hating sin is not an ungodly, unrepentant love of it. No, that's the spirit working in you. That's him establishing you. That's him sanctifying you. God's, God's got you. His hands are secure. Perhaps like me, you can feel like life sometimes is a bit precarious. It's in the balance. You take each day as it comes. And the, the temptation can be to lose hope. Or to seek refuge in, in, in solitude or an escape. But no, God's hands are secure. Strength lies in our gods. We are fragile. Life is in the balance. It's always in the balance. Persecution can just feel like it's around the corner. But God's hands are secure. So how do we respond to this? Well, very simply, we hold to the secure gospel. We hold to the secure gospel. Listen again to verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm. And hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So then stand firm and hold to the traditions. Now we're going to see, firstly we're going to see what we're to hold to, uh, then why we're to hold to it, and then how we're to hold to it. So firstly, what is it we're actually going to hold to? Well, verse 15 is to the traditions. It's the traditions that you were taught. That's important, not, what, not whatever society thinks is true about God. But it's traditions, it's things that's been passed down, it's an unchanging gospel. God's not going to swap it for something else. No, it's a message that's been passed down, and by God's grace, it's been written down for us. We have the apostles' teaching, we have their spirit-inspired interpretation of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We have their teaching in light of the whole Old Testament. We have the Bible, so we have a secure gospel we have these traditions. And it's a gospel, isn't it, that we can state very simply. Christ crucified is a, perhaps a famous simple statement of the gospel. Or Jesus Christ is Lord. But also it's a gospel that's eternally deep, isn't it? It speaks into who we are as human beings. It, into justice, into hope, into love. It speaks of who God is in himself. Of his, of his just response to sin and his deep love for us in Christ. As we dig, it just keeps on going. It's deep as well as it is simple. A child can know it, can understand it and believe it. But it's not simplistic, is it? Get to know the depths of God's teaching to us. Get stuck into the glorious teachings of God's word. Uh, One Christian writer puts it helpfully like this. In one sense, all it takes to be a theologian is to have an opinion of God. That's it. 
The moment you think or say anything about him or her or it or whatever God is to you, you are doing theology. The real question, therefore, is not whether you're a theologian, it's whether you're a good one. Do you want deeper worship, richer joy, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, as the hymn says? Then approach your Bible with a learner's posture, asking the author to teach you marvellous things. Don't just water ski across the surface of Scripture's waters. Put on scuba gear, dive in and explore the wonders of the biblical world. It's a great picture, isn't it? Putting on scuba gear and diving in. So that's what we're to hold on to, the, the secure gospel. Now why? Why should we hold on to these traditions, this gospel? Well, verse 14, if you notice, amazing, these amazing blessings of God's secure love um, for us come through the gospel. Or, or verse 13, at the end of verse 13, or through its belief in the truth. So we hold to the gospel, these traditions, because actually that's how God holds us secure. When I believe, that's actually God holding me secure. He, he reaches out by his spirit with his good news of Jesus Christ and he gives us faith in it. Now you may be thinking, well, how do, hang on a sec, how does that work together? You know, you, you said it's about God's safe hands and now you're saying we have to hold to this gospel. You know, is it God or is it me? Well, it says, as as I hold to the gospel, that is God working in me. In a sense, from my point of view, faith is is climbing into the safe hands of God. It's entrusting my life to him. And from God's perspective, it's, it's him lifting me up and putting me into his hands. God's secure hands, they don't force me to do something against my will. Instead, I choose to keep holding to the gospel. Because God's put his spirit in me, and that's what someone with God's spirit does. It's his gift that I hold to the gospel. So I don't hold on alone. I don't hold on hoping that I'm going to hold on tight enough. I hold on knowing it's him empowering me to do so. It's always in his strength that I do it. So if God's security comes to us through the gospel, through belief in truth, then it's no wonder we need to keep holding on to it. Since God's hands are secure, his means of securing us are utterly secure too. That's why I hold to the gospel. But lastly, how are we to hold to it? Because Paul goes further than just know the gospel, doesn't he? He says, hold to it. Stand firm upon it. It's not just knowing it, it's holding to it. You know, holding is, on is, is a picture of, of clinging to your only lifeline. It's like being out to sea, engulfed by waves, trying to catch your breath, and a, and a rope drops next to you. You hear it, it smack on the water beside you, and you grab it. You hold on, you cling on tightly as you get pulled to safety. Or, or Paul uses this image of, of standing firm. Perhaps it's a military picture. You know, it's the idea of not moving, of holding your position in the face of attack. Now, to help us understand that, I'm going to use quite an old film. It's Gladiator, probably one of my favourites. But it's a film about, if you haven't seen it, you should. It's it's about a military general called Maximus, who ends up as a gladiator. Don't worry, I'm not going to ruin it. Um, But he's, he's obviously phenomenal fighting in the Colosseum. 
And as those of you who have seen it will know, he, he's in one fight alongside some other gladiators. And they're obviously meant to be slaughtered in this gladiatorial fight. Um, those against them have chariots with swords and spears and bows and arrows. But Maximus, he shouts instructions. He says, you know, come together, stick with me um, as one. And, and it's the guy, actually, who rushes off on his own to do his own thing uh, that gets shot down. You know, if you were in that arena with Maximus near you, you would stand firm. You would hold your position. You don't move away from the safety of Maximus. And that, that's what we're to do with the gospel of Christ. We, we cling on. We stand firm. We don't go anywhere. We hold our position. Because if that's where safety lies, that's where we stay. This is more than just thinking the right things. It's more than just the activity of our minds. It's about our hearts. It's about the affections of our hearts being focused on the right truth. So how do we do this? How do we keep holding on? Well, firstly, we need to recognize that we can do this badly. Okay? We can do this badly. Instead of trusting it alone, we can start to actually put up stabilizers in our hearts. We kind of erect buttresses next to the gospel to help us feel extra secure. And rather than holding to the gospel of God's secure hands, we, we kind of shuffle sideways a little bit. Start leaning more and more of our weight on something else. I wonder if it's stuff that actually brings us emotional security. That we're then tempted uh, to add for our eternal security. I don't, know, I don't know what it is for you. You know, if, I'm, if you're good at something, like speaking in public, or, or you know you're popular, or you have a loving family, or you have good job prospects. They're all good things, but they can start to become what's important. We feel good about them, but because we feel good about them, we, we subtly link God's love of us to them. Not to his eternal love and choice in himself. But the thing is, anything human... Anything made by us or in us or about us is ultimately and innately insecure. It's fragile. You know, I I won't always look this good. You won't always have your family or your grandchildren or your good job. You won't always have a strong bank account or your good health. They fade, they disappear and we, we can be left emotional wrecks wondering about who we are, what we are. When our foundations collapse, so do we. But as we recognize these these extra stabilizers, in order to get rid of them, we need to come back to the truth of all that God has done for us in Christ. And keep, keep responding to that gospel, not just hearing it. That's the key, responding to it. We make it daily. Make time for a daily wonder at the gospel of Jesus Christ. A daily prayer like this from the Psalms, incline my heart to your words, Lord. Incline my heart to you. And in in his glorious grace by his spirit, he comforts our hearts by those words. So as you read, as you read the scriptures, as you learn, as you study, as you listen to sermons, humbly respond, respond to the God who has spoken. Don't just let it stay out there at a distance. Move your hearts, not just your minds. Respond to the God who holds you in his hands. Respond in prayer. 
Ask questions of the Lord. Seek his wisdom. Respond in praise and worship. We sit at the feet of God. Not at the pages of a a lifeless book. I find this hardest to do when I'm actually reading a Christian book. Uh, I respond, I think, well, naturally, when I'm just reading scripture, but a Christian book I find more hard. But David Struan and I are are reading Calvin's Institutes together. And and I'm so focused sometimes on just reading it, trying to understand it, and thinking of something vaguely interesting to try and say when we're actually uh, together, (laughs) um, that, that I can fail to dwell on actually what I've read. Sure, it's not the Bible itself, but it's someone helping me understand God and what he said. So I need to, we need to give time to respond. To respond to God. And that that will help us hold to the gospel. But above all, to finish, remember this. God's hands are secure. So they're even secure as we, we seek to hold on to the gospel. We keep coming back to him. He is our rock. Upon him we stand firm. Amen.